Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. But you know, as I approach this day, I begin to think that it's very easy, and listen to me good, it's very easy uh, for us to identify dads and fathers, uh, because all you have to do is really identify the children. But what is very difficult is to really identify men, real men. And especially in this day and age, because we live in a culture and a society that tells us that anybody can be a man. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. And even if you were born, and even if you were not born a male, you can take medicine and undergo surgery uh, if, if you desire to be a man. But, you know, and, and even, even, even askmen.com, askmen published an article back in 2015 about the traits of a real man. The traits of a real man. I thought this was interesting, so I wanted to share it with you. They had eight traits down here, and I'll start from, from the bottom up. A real man can defend himself. A real man can keep his house clean or in order. A real man takes care of his appearance. A real man makes his own fortune. A real man uh, strives to be a role model. A real man's word is his bond. Number two, a real man doesn't gossip. And number one, a real man is focused. And while I agree with a lot of these traits, I don't think these are all the things that make us a real man. I heard it said once that uh, we are male by birth, but a man by choice. Let me say that again. We are male by birth, but a man by choice. So I want to speak from the subject of full-grown man because I want to highlight in Scripture four distinct gentlemen in the Scriptures that through their successes and their failures, that we can learn what being a full-grown man really is. And I say successes and failures or successes and errors because I think that it's very important that we learn not only from the successes but also the failures of the people that have gone before us. Because I don't need to tear up my tires and my wheels going on that same road that you had when you got your wheels knocked off by them potholes as you walked down and you rolled down that road. I think we can learn from each other's uh, experiences, both successes and our failures, so that we can be all that God wants us to be in this day and age. Amen? So I'm going to start it off, but then as we get deeper into it, we're going to have a conversation, man. And I'm going to let everybody else in here kind of peek into uh, 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 some of our men fellowships when we get together and we have our wingman life group and we sit down around the table and we talk sports and we talk life and we talk God and we talk family. 
while we're eating on some good chicken wings. Anybody know what I'm talking about in this place? Amen. The first person that we want to really uh, examine as we build this case for what a full-grown man is, is Samson. Samson. Somebody say Samson. Samson. If you look at Judges chapter 16, and I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but one of the things that Samson had to really deal with and, 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 and come to grips with that I think we can learn for ourselves is that the first thing that makes us a full-grown man is the ability to control ungodly desires. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. We need to learn how to control or controlling ungodly desires. Because let me just tell you this, man, and listen to me good. Your uncontrolled lust can derail what God has planned for your life. Your uncontrolled desires, your uncontrolled uh, 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 lust can derail what God has planned for your life. My dad raised three boys. I'm the youngest of the three. But he told each of us the exact same thing when we were coming up. He says, listen, you can go far and write your own ticket if you put God first, keep your head on straight, and keep your thing in your pants. That's what my daddy told us. Three boys growing up, that's what he had to tell us because he understood that if we allow ourselves to be given in to our own personal lusts, it would derail the plan of God for our lives. And when you give in to your selfish desires, listen to me good, both men, young and old, when you give in to your own selfish desires, we mess up the plan that God has for our lives. In other words, watch this. When we only think of me, I mess up what God has my life to be. Let me say that again. When I only think of me, I mess up what God wants my life to be. Samson was incredibly strong. He was an incredibly strong man. Watch this. With a dangerously weak will. <laughs> With a dangerously weak will. Just like so many of us in this room, man, incredibly strong with tremendous spiritual potential. But at the same time, we have a dangerous, weak will. Let me tell you this story at a very high level altitude this morning. The Israelites, the Israelites had been unfaithful to God. And so in because of their disobedience, watch this, God put them under the rulership of the Philistines, which was their enemies. There's a message all in that. When you begin to be unfaithful and disobedient to God, can I tell you something? God will gift you over to where your enemies will have rulership over you. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. So God put them under the rule of the Philistines, their enemies. For years and years and years, God said to them, finally, you've learned your lesson. And I'm going to raise up a man, Samson, who will help start to deliver you from the bondage of the Philistines. And God, from the very beginning of Samson's life, the Spirit of the Lord stirred within him. And God came upon him in supernatural ways. 
with strength that is beyond anything that we could ever imagine. I mean, the angel said, I want you and your family to live by what's known as the Nazarene vow. Now, some of you may be asking, what in the world is a Nazarene vow? Well, I'm going to tell you, but try my best to break this down in a very short amount of time. But if you want to put in your notes Numbers chapter 6, Numbers chapter 6, you can go later on and read about the Nazarite vow. But you may say, what is this? Well, essentially what it is is that uh, it was a way for a non-priest, an ordinary person, they could make some vows to be set apart for the use and the glory of God. So non-priests could say, I'm living by these vows. I'm devoting myself to serve God wholly. And there were three vows that they had to really, really ascribe to. Number one, somebody say number one. Don't get drunk. No Heineken, no Core 45, no Coronas. I haven't hit your one yet. Uh, uh, no Crown Royal, no Ciroc, no Jack Daniels. No, don't get drunk. The second thing was don't touch any dead thing. Whew. In other words, anything unclean, don't touch it. And the third thing was, don't cut your hair. <laughs> Let your hair grow long. Now you may be saying, Pastor Devin, what is it about the hair growing long? What is it about that? The hair growing long, just like, just like baptism is an outward expression and visible testimony of a sign of an inward spiritual truth. And just like my wedding band is a sign of a commitment that I made to Courtney, which, by the way, today is her birthday. And she is just as fine as the day that I met her. That leaving of your long hair was an outward invisible sign that you were set apart for the use of God. And so here we see all of this greatness. God's hand was upon Samson. God's strength was with him. I mean, maybe you don't know what this man did. I mean, I mean, so much so that where when God's spirit came upon him, Samson could slay and righteously kill a thousand Philistine men in one, in one blow. When God's strength would come upon him, he would rip apart a lion with his bare hands. And yet with all of this God-given greatness, with all of this God-given potential, his weak will got him in trouble again and again and again. How many of our men can testify to what I'm talking about today? And when we begin looking at the story, we begin seeing how Samson betrays God for a stupid handful of honey 
We're going to watch him as his temper gets the best of him. And he kills 30 innocent men for a bet that he lost. And then we watch him give in and his will. He fails again, falling victim to pursuing the wrong type of woman. And his lust for women over and over and over again gets that man in trouble. So many of us can take this same story and pluck out Samson's name and put in Devon. Take out that name and insert your name because so many times we have fallen prey to the same trap of chasing after the wrong women. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. But brothers, he's just like us. He had so much potential for greatness and yet again and again, he squandered that potential with stupid living. Stupid living. And I don't know what it would have been for you, but we see it all the time. I mean, I see, I don't know how many men that I've seen that are very aggressive, type A men at work, leaders on their jobs, and their hands off when it comes to their home. They're very passive when it comes to the things of the household. I know men everywhere who are committed to their finances, their career, and their hobby, and yet they can't commit to a woman. I've seen so many men that I know that will study everything. I mean, they will, before they buy a television, they will research that TV for hours and hours and hours on BestBuy.com, looking at different, different models. Is it, fourth, is it 4K? Is it 1080p? Is it this, that, or the other? But they can't spend five minutes in God's Word. We squander our lives making foolish decisions. I see men who truly do love God and who truly do love their wives. Yet these men with so many attributes are locked in a prison of lust and are too afraid to ask for help. So much potential and yet at the same time self-destructing with bad decision after bad decision. Why do you think so many people, potentially great men, fall again and again and again? Samson's life shows us that there are three distinct things, three specific attitudes that will make a strong man weak. These attitudes are simply lust, entitlement, and pride. I'm going to let that just simmer for a moment. Lust, entitlement, and pride. We see it happen with lust, but this entitlement thing has really gotten this generation all messed up. Because they think that I deserve this. <laughs> think it should be given or handed to them without any type of work or anything. 
And then pride is really the root cause of it all because they feel like uh, they deserve to be here. It belongs to me. This was my daddy's, now it's mine, and they don't know a lick about it. But can I tell you something? These attitudes, this mindset will lead you down a path of total ruin if you're not careful. So this week, brothers, I'm going to challenge you. I want to challenge you right now. This week, I want you to begin, before you do anything, ask yourself, does God want me to do this? See, this goes right in line with the scripture that says that we ought to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways we are to acknowledge him and he will direct our path. If we don't acknowledge him, guess what? We're going at this thing all on our own. And we will mess it up every single time. Not only is it the idea of controlling ungodly desires. And as we look at Sam, Samson, but I also think we need to flip over to 2 Samuel. Because I, I think another thing that it takes to be a strong man, we're going to look at this man called Beniah. Because not only does it take controlling ungodly desires, but I also think it takes Courage. Courage. Help me, Holy Ghost. Brother Jefferson, come here real quick. Matter of fact, I'm going to come down to you. Courage. What is that word? mean to you? Well, when I think of the word courage, Pastor, it's, it's amazing you would say that. The other day, uh, I was at work, and there was a big meeting coming. Uh, we got a big project going on at Chrysler, and there were some things that were going on that I knew I had to stand up and speak about. Not necessarily against, but just about it. And as I was just standing, I said, God, who am I among all of these people, you got all of these executives and all these people and all these engineers that, you know, degreed and everything like that. And, you know, I have my own learning and training, but, you know, I just kind of got intimidated by that whole setup. And I never forget, I said, Lord, but I remember in the word of God where you told Gideon, you said, be strong, be courageous. I said, God, I need that right now. Right now. I said, when I walk up in here, I need you to be there. I need you to be in me. Not me, but you. Because I got to say what I got to say, but I needed to hit their hearts. Hit their hearts. Touch their lives. Just like being a father, I got to have courage to face the unfaceable, to speak to the unspeakable, to do what's not been done. Let me tell you something, Pastor. 
To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I walked up in that meeting this morning, brothers and sisters, with all those eyes, when it turned around and was on me, Brother Carlos, here's our moment. Here's our moment, Brother Steve. Here's our moment, Brother Ron. And every day of our life, we face those moments, and we have to decide, am I going to stand for God? Because if I do, he's going to stand up for me, and he did, Pastor. And I was of good courage, and I'm of good courage right now just because of that. Praise God. Goes right in line with what we said here. There is no need to fear because God is everywhere. Look, look at this, two, two, two verses there in 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Verses 20 and 21. I'm going to mess these names up. Benaiah was the son of uh, Jehodiah, the son of a valiant man from Kabzil, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab, and he also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with a staff, wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. Let me tell you something. When God has called you to a task, you have to go after it with tenacity. When God has called you to a task, you have to believe the scriptures that, autumn, that always tell us, greater is he that is within us than he that's in the world. When God has called you to a task, you have to remind yourself that, yes, I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength to do it. This spirit of timid or timidity is not of God. God has called you men to do great things. He said in his word, hey, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. God is waiting on you to awaken the gift that he has placed on the inside of you and bring it forth. Why? Because there's greatness on the inside of you. My father, I was, I was an average, uh, in some cases I may have been a below average student in high school. Uh, you all heard me tell this testimony before. I uh, was, was, was on the, the basketball team after my freshman year, and then they instituted what was called the uh, eligibility rule. In other words, what the eligibility rule was, was that I had to maintain a certain GPA if I wanted to continue playing sports. And the GPA level was already 
very low. I mean, they were only requiring you to, to maintain a 2.0 grade point average. I mean, a 2.0. I mean, and I was probably at a 1.8, 1.9. I mean, I, I mean, there, there were just moments because, because I was allowing my own selfish desires to derail God's plan for my life. But when they put that in there, I started getting my stuff together because I didn't want to stop playing basketball. And it's amazing that the moment they put on just, I mean, to be average, <laughs> the, the bar was set at average when God has called us to be above average. There's so much more that God has in store for you that God wants you to do. But let me tell you something. You gotta be courageous. You gotta say, you know what? I'm gonna handle this before it handles me. Even in, even in our homes, we have to be courageous. We got to say, you know what? I'm not going to allow the enemy to trick me into this lazy man's mentality. But there has to be a sense and a level of courageousness in, on the inside of one of us to say, I'm going to be great in my home. I'm going to be great on my job. I'm going to be great in the classroom. I'm going to be great in my community. I'm going to be great in my church. Whatever it is that God has called you to, you got to say, you know what? If God has called, this, called me to this, I want to be great. Why? Because God has placed greatness on the inside of you. It's there. It's there. Talk to yourself and just say, wake up. Go ahead and do it now. Just say, wake up. See, if I was yourself, I wouldn't have even heard that. I mean, you, you really have to grab this thing by the horns and really be aggressive with it and just command yourself to align with the Word of God. Command your body to align with the Word of God. Command your mind to align itself with the Word of God. Because God wants to do great things on the inside of you. Let me go to my next point. Not only is it important that we control ungodly desires, and not only is it important that we are courageous, but I believe that if we look at the life of Daniel, if we look at the life of Daniel, we discover that it's important for us to walk in integrity. It's important that we walk in integrity. Can I tell you something? Go to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. This, this story is so good to me, and not, we're not going to read the entire, the entire chapter, but I want to show you some of that, and then I want to pass the mic to somebody, and he don't even know it, but it's going to bless us. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over those three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to him, to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. In other words, he's putting things in order and establishing governmental order and administration over the entire kingdom. Verse 3, then this Daniel, watch this, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors 
and the satraps because of because he had an excellent spirit. Did y'all catch that? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. And because the king was given it, so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. In other words, they wanted to trip him up against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Watch this. But they couldn't find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Daniel walked in integrity. Daniel walked in integrity. And when you walk in integrity, the enemy has nothing on you. Oh, I wish y'all were saying something to me in this place. When you walk in integrity, the enemy has no ammunition to come after you with. Because I know my Redeemer lives. And, and as I'm walking in the truth and the integrity of his word, guess what? Though he may try to pull up some, some stuff, God already knows. It's like Job, he was a perfect and upright man. And the enemy tried to go back and forth and accuse him. And God says, go ahead, try him, because I know he will, he will be a man of integrity. I want my brother Kelvin Squires to come up here real quick. Because I know this man's testimony. Kelvin, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about what it has meant to you to walk in integrity in the workplace. Now, you served at, at, in corporate America at Ford Motor Company for how many years? Well, Ford and Chrysler, for how many years total? Uh, 32 years. 32 years. And you recently left to acquire your own company and to work in your own business. But, and we'll get to that testimony in, in just a moment, but I want you just to talk just for a moment just about what walking in integrity in corporate America at the level that you were walking in, what that meant and what that did for you in your career. Um, you know, first of all, um, you know, having Christ as, as, as really your, your, uh, your anchor, setting your direction um, in corporate America of any type, you're going to always be challenged with uh, doing the right thing or doing something that may be successful for you in a corporate sense. But for me, uh, I've always wanted to please God in all that I do. Uh, and then I'm not smart enough to lie to people. So if I tell the truth, it stays right here. I, I found over time when you tell the truth, the way that your brain works, it stores that memory, that cash right there. If you try to tell a lie and six weeks later somebody asks you about that same thing, yeah. it's very hard to recall that. So having a foundation in Christ is absolutely the way to work in a corporate setting. You may see uh, coworkers or others that will do it a different way, but I'm going to tell you, for me, my 32 years, it was all about, hey, I know that God's looking down on me. I know that uh, having integrity is going to show up. And it did every time. 
One, one of the things I did when I was at Ford and I, I retired as a chief engineer, I would have over 200, uh, 200 elect, uh, engineers that worked for me and put in plants all over the world, China, India, South America, and Brazil, Argentina. So I was all over the place. Uh, and one of the things, when I would get the team together and we would call in the, the people that are in different parts of the world, they would call into a web, WebEx or a meeting and then I'd have people live. And one thing I always started the meeting with, I would pray for everybody. <clears throat> and you should see the response over the years. And some of the people were Muslim and stuff like that there, but it wasn't there to offend them. It was there just to talk about God. So I would pray for my whole team starting a big meeting. And I was, I was told, I was the highest level like, uh, 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 executive they've ever seen in a meeting that's across the globe that's going to put God first. Wow. So that integrity and that, that uh, grounding and already putting God first just paid dividends. Uh, when I was retiring, I probably had about 25 emails, separate emails, uh, to talk about the impact I had with them in their Christian walk because of me. So I, I know our whole thing is about, uh, you know, we're, we, we got to get in line, Pastor, you're talking, get in line with our purpose. We're here to really, to build the kingdom. And we can do, I mean, we're, we're all ministers of some type. We don't have to be at the pulpit to say, how do I help save souls? It's your actions. They see, a, they see an honest person. They see that you're going to always stand for God. You don't know what kind of impact that's having. So when I was retiring, and to get them letters, I and mean, I've kept all of them, it was very powerful because stuff that happened years ago, they remembered. I would start with a meeting and pray for the whole team. So integrity for me was, is, is all about how I fashion my life. How do I go about my daily business? And as I told you, I'm not smart enough to lie to you because I, I can't keep it in. So I just tell the truth, and even if that truth is gonna have some consequences for your job title or at work or your friends, you can always stand on it because it's the same thing, it's the truth. So, Kelvin, so we touched on it a moment ago, but when you left Ford Motor Company, talk a little bit about the journey that God has had you on, and, and because of that integrity that you walked in, the favor that came about because of it. Yeah, I'm only standing here because of him. I mean, he just in me that's greater. To, uh, to do the things in, in my life and bless me the way he has. Um, you know, I'm from southwest Detroit. Uh, Detroit public school system, uh, got a chance to uh, pay my own way through college, collecting cans for my spending money. Um, and that's why I know I had a great wife too though, because she's the only one that didn't mind me picking up cans when I'm walking <laughs> with her too. <laughs> you know, you meet some of them, they see me and I have my book bag, I would have a plastic, plastic bag. And when I'm walking on Michigan State, uh, I, didn't, I had to pay my own way through college. So when every time I would see a, a can, I see it as 10 cents. Some people see, I still collect them today. I see it as a can. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I would walk along on campus and um, walk along on campus and you know, you'd be walking with a young lady or something like that and you know, you're trying to be cool too, right? And I'm like, hold on for a minute. I'll pull my bag and, and some of the girls would go, ooh, ugh. But not Kelly, not my wife. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, she was so good that at the end of the, they would have these, um, these big parties when it's when starting. Uh, and I would wait to the end. I wouldn't go to the party, but I would bring a garbage bag and Kelly would be on one side and I'd be on the other side. And we'd go collect about, about 
200 of them or something like that or 100. So it was always a way for me to, to do it. But through all that, you know, God's favor and uh, being committed to him has just opened up door after door in terms of elevating throughout the company. But then, you know, put me on the path to have the opportunity to acquire a, a business. And it's a, it's a pretty sizable business, um, probably the biggest minority business in uh, electrical contracting that we have here in Michigan, actually in the five state region. So pretty substantial business. And it was just all him in terms of how he ordered my steps, how he opened up opportunities, how he even opened up banking. So, you know, it's, I mean, I, I wish I can tell you it was me and my smarts, but it was all God. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Kelvin. Thank you so much. It is important for us to understand that when you have operating integrity, it invites the protection of God into your life. When you walk in integrity, you invite the, the protection of God upon your life. Let me say it like this. <laughs> when you walk in integrity, you don't have to fret because God won't forget. God will not forget. God didn't forget Daniel when Daniel was, was, was standing for him in, in the face of opposition. Even when you get to the end of chapter 6, you find Daniel in probably the scariest place of his life, in a lion's den with some hungry lions. And guess what? Daniel didn't fret because he knew that God would not forget. And God kept him. God spared his life. I saw pictures. I don't know if this is how it was, but uh, in my kid's Bible when I was a kid, you would see pictures of Daniel sleeping and using the lions as a pillow. Can't tell me what God won't do when you when you make it a make it an effort and make it your purpose to live and to stand for Him. Let me give you this last point. Not only do we have to control ungodly desires, and we look at the life of Samson for that, and how Samson failed. This this is how we can propel and succeed. Not only do we have to be courageous, and we saw how 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 Benaiah was able to to slay a, a, a lion in a pit on a snowy day. We look at the life of Daniel and we understand what it means to walk in integrity. But let me give you this last point and then we're going to be done. I think you also must be faithful. You got to be faithful. Somebody say that with me. Say faithful. faithful. Let's look in the scripture at the book of Luke, chapter 22. And we're going to look at Peter. Luke, chapter 22, verses 54. And most of us know this story. But I want to just look at this very specific. It says, having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him 
as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him, being Jesus. But he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. After a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then Peter, about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galatian. But Peter said, man, I don't know him. What are you talking about? Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter wept out and wept bitterly. I like that phrase, he wept out. <laughs> Anybody ever cry till you had no more to cry? He wept out, <laughs> wept bitterly. How does this tie into faithfulness? Because Peter's example was an example of faithlessness. In the moment, in the heat of the battle, he didn't stand up and affirm his stance for Christ. Let me give you this. We should have no shame in proclaiming God's name. That's the faithful part. But here's the thing I love about God, because God shows his faithfulness, is that even when we blow it, <laughs> even when we are not faithful, God still forgives. He still loves. He still is holding you there in, in his arms and caring for you and said, listen, I know you just messed it up. I know this wasn't what you intended to do, but I know this how it all went down. But you know what is all good? I still love you. And the Bible says it like this, that if we confess our faults, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. See, we as men, we need that insurance and assurance. Because how many of us know that even under the best circumstances, we'll blow it? Come on, now talk back to me. Even under the best circumstances, we'll mess it up. I mean, I mean, everything could be laid out in front of us. I mean, he, Jesus gave Peter the test and the answers. And he still failed. Now, I mean, Peter, come on now. You had the, you had the test 
And you had the answers to the test before the test was even given. And you still blew it. But thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God that his love never fails. His love never gives up on us. His love constantly pursues us and goes after us. That's why he says, goodness and mercy, watch this, will follow you only when you're good. Goodness and mercy will follow us only when we have it together. No, 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 no. It says goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wish I had somebody that wouldn't mind giving God some praise for the simple fact that even when we were unfaithful, he remained faithful. So that's why we as men need to learn what it really means to be a full-grown man. We need to understand what it really means to be a full-grown man. And it's not once you finally get your first, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. It ain't got nothing to do with you getting your license. Has nothing to do with you being of legal age to drink. Has nothing to do with being uh, reaching 21. Has nothing to do with being a family. It has everything to do with can you control your ungodly desires? Can you walk courageously? Can you walk in integrity? And can you live a life that is faithful unto Jesus Christ? That is how you know if you're a full-grown man or not. Now, we got to be honest as I'm closing. Some of us got a little ways to go in a couple of areas. But let me tell you something. God has never given up on you. As a matter of fact, let me put it to you like this. He's never changed his mind concerning you. Everything that he called you to be, before you blew it, he knew you were going to blow it before he called you. Oh, Lord have mercy. I feel like running in this place. I mean, when I think about the fact that he called me, and he already knew that I was going to mess up. And he knew that before he called me. And that didn't change his mind about calling me. And he still called me. And he still said, I have need of you. I have work for you to do. I have a purpose for you to do. And today, as a man, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I used to, I used to wonder. I used to wonder. And hear me good, people of God. I used to ride up and down the streets and freeways because my dad was in business. And, and, and he had a business and a thriving business. And I used to ride up and down the street wondering what it would be like to have a big old building. I used to wonder what it would be like to, to, to run a, a, a business and an organization and look at what God is entrusting into my hands now. 
something? This is what God does. God shows us glimpses of our end in the beginning. And the reason why he shows us glimpses of our end in the beginning is because he knows that there's going to come a middle time. And sometime in the middle, you get ready to give up. You get ready to throw in the towel. You get ready to call it all off. But the fact of the matter still remains that because I've seen a glimpse of what my end looks like, I can hold on a little bit longer. I can tie a knot at the end of the rope when I'm getting ready to fall off because I know that in the end, God has prepared for me a prepared place for me that he's designed with his own mind and hand. And he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you and their thoughts of peace, not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. He is the potter. I'm just clay. And the thing about clay, I can only imagine Jeremiah. Hey, God, glory to God. I can only imagine Jeremiah when he went down to look at the work that's being done on the wheel. Sometimes as you watching someone make pottery, it looks like, uh, it looks like, even after they've gotten to a certain shape, it looks like it's done. And it may look good to you. It may look real good to you. But that's not exactly what the potter had in his mind. And see, the problem with us is that a lot of times we look good to a whole lot of people. Woo, boy, you got it going on. Boy, you're really doing some things. But that's not exactly what the potter had in his mind. And sometimes the potter, even though people around you may be saying, you got it going on, you're looking real good, sometimes the potter will have to crush you. Sometimes the potter will have to break you. Why? Because what he has in his mind is far greater than what other men and people see around you. And if you can just trust the plan of God, if you can just trust his hand, though he may crush you, he's got the power and the ability to build you back up again. And guys have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for his people. I need some Somebody's going to give God some praise in this place. If you believe that God is not done, if you believe that God is not through, if you believe that God is getting ready to do a new thing in your life, somebody shall glory. God said, I want to do something in this region, but I got to find a man. And he went around, he said, is there a man? Is there, is there a man that would stand in the gap? Is there a man that would be willing to control his ungodly lust? Is there a man that would be willing to be courageous when everybody else wants to be a coward? Is there a man in this place that will be willing to walk in integrity? Is there a man in this place that will be willing to be faithful unto God, even unto death? Man, let me tell you something. 
I know it's hard, but when you got what you got to remember is that it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. And when you make it about him, he makes it about the legacy and the generations to follow. Because, see, I know a lot of us will use the excuse, I'm doing it for my kids. Listen, do it for God. And what, you, and what can't be taught will be caught. See, there were some things that David Goff taught me, but then there were some things that I had to catch just by watching his example. There are some things that I began to just realize about, uh, about this thing called church and pastoring and some things I can ask questions, Pastor Cole, but then there are other things I have to just look and observe. Okay, that's how you do that. That's how that happened. That's how, and then begin to let God mold me and shape me into the way that he wants me to be. Let me tell you something. God has a plan about your life in his mind and he's not going to forget it. Everyone stand to your feet. I'm done. Listen, man, if you're in this place and you say, listen, I know that there are several of these things that I have yet to grow in. God has given you the grace to grow in it. I said, God has given you the grace to grow in that. And he's going to raise you up. He's going to cause you to become everything that he's called you to be. It doesn't just happen overnight. Look at somebody and say, it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. Look at somebody and say, it's a process. And I look back at him and say, trust the process. Trust the process. Because yes, it may not feel good while it's working. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. But you got to believe that it's working for your good. No, it may not feel good. As a matter of fact, it hurts. Sometimes the curriculum that God takes us through sucks. But let me tell you something. It's still working for your good. And God is not going to put more on you than he's already equipped you to handle in the beginning. Somebody shout hallelujah. So what I say to every man in this place is that it's in you. 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 It's in you, Ray. Everything that he has charted for you, it's already there. Now you just got to call it to come forth. And the way you bring it forth is setting your eyes like a flint not being distracted. And I don't care what's going on around you. I'm going to tell this story, then I'm, I'm going to let you go. I remember on my, I was traveling on my way to work, Will. And all of a sudden, as I was coming down Middle Belt, the traffic had backed up, and it was very unusual 
backup of traffic. Doesn't really back up during this time of the morning. Something had to have been going on. I rolled down my window, picked my head out the window trying to see what in the world was happening. Didn't see no sirens, didn't see no lights, didn't hear nothing. We just inching right along. All of a sudden, I see these ducklings crossing the road. There was a leader, but then there was a whole trail of them following behind him. He was just... There was people blowing their horn, trying to get them to run, and he still just... People rolled their window down, yelling out the window, move out the road, as though the ducklings could hear them, and he just kept on. Until they got to the other side. Can I tell you something, brothers? I don't care what's trying to distract you. I don't care what horn is beeping at you. I don't care what they screaming at you. I don't care what they yelling at you. You got to fix your face like those little geese and just. You got to just keep it moving. Right, left, right, left, right, left. Set your face like a flint and keep going left. Right, left, right. Don't worry about what they're yelling at you. Just keep your face going. As a matter of fact, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You just got to keep on walking. I lift up my eyes to the hills from, from where my help comes from because the, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me, your rod and your staff. Left. Right. Let, come on, somebody. I need somebody that's going to grab hold to what God is saying. Stay focused till you make it to the end. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.